Welcome to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog. I am Adam Motenko here with Josh Motenko, my twin brother. What's happening? Josh, today we are talking instant reaction to Game 3 against the Heat. Uh, the Celtics win. They were up by 20-something. They almost blew the lead. How are you feeling about this game? We, we finally pulled one out. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, thank God is the right response. Uh, the basketball gods have not been with us in this uh, series. And honestly, after this win tonight that just ended a second ago, I'm feeling no different than the last two nights when we gave up leads and lost. Yeah, they, you, you, so they give up a 17-point lead in Game 1, a 14-point lead in Game 2, and a 20-point lead in, in this third game. So 31 points in the first two games they gave up. And uh, it, it, it's safe to say that that is the reason that there was all this media attention on the fight in the locker room, as some have called it. Um, what was your take on on that uh, end of game two in the locker room? A lot of yelling, a lot of swearing. Marcus Smart storms out, all upset, and then everybody downplays it as not a big deal, just trying to win. Yeah, Smart's going to call you out for what you're doing wrong, uh, even if he's doing the same things wrong. You know, and he mm-hmm. may not do it in the most appropriate way, but with a team like this, with you know guys who are sometimes immature and sometimes soft, you need to get called out. You know, he's addressing the elephants in the room. Jalen and Tatum and Kemba's shot selection is poop right now, uh, and Smarts is the same. But Smarts always like that. You live and die with him with that. But Jalen's smart to, you know, smart is overreacting and not staying together as a team. I think that's BS. I think it's the right attitude to have to the media and it's the right attitude to have overall. But when the on the court stuff is as much of a problem, the decision making specifically and late in games especially, you know, that's that's bad for Brown and it's bad for the team. And and the whole team needed what Smart said, I think. Smart's really been carrying this team in this round. I mean, he's been hitting his shots. He was 10 of 10 from the free throw line today. He's the only one that really got to the line, although the team showed a a desire to drive the ball to the basket starting early in this game. Um, I I think that he's so clearly the leader of this team, the emotional leader, that he's, he's the driving force of the team. This team just has not had the aggressiveness they finally showed some aggressiveness in this game in a consistent way. They would do it in the other games, and then they would take their foot off the gas, and you cannot win a championship that way. And, they're, and the Heat are showing them that. Um, do, did you like the aggressiveness in this game? Do you think that they, they – I mean, clearly they did what it took to win this game, um, but you don't sound super happy. No, I mean the aggressiveness this game, especially from Jalen Brown. The broadcasters made a big deal about that. We did see him be extremely aggressive. I love the fact that he was going at Crowder and using yeah. the, the history between those two of really Crowder being traded because Jalen Brown was coming in to take his spot. Um, and now, you know, three four years later, Crowder is is still playing and and playing at a high level and and uh, you know. Jalen's taken that personally. But here's the thing with Jalen. He's shooting considerably less threes this round and in the playoffs in general. Jalen's he shot six threes a game in the regular season on 38% this year. You know, obviously coronavirus changed some things. Um, he shot seven threes per game in the playoffs so far on 32%, lower percentage. So is that why he's shooting less? But for whatever reason, this series, 
in three games, he's shoot, he's six for 10, 60%. But why is, isn't he shooting his normal amount of attempts? Um, and I mean, I have to imagine it's less open looks. No, he's, so I think he's passing up open looks. The playoffs looks. is different. He's passing. I'm watching him pass up open looks and driving. And obviously, we have a huge emphasis when they're playing zone to drive that zone. But the decision making is strange, and I feel like he's trying to make up for others' shot happiness by taking it to the hole, like so the team has a balance of drives with threes, um, especially versus the zone. But I think feel like he's forcing things against multiple defenders, and he's not getting the foul calls at least until this game. The first two games, he wasn't getting the foul calls he normally gets, and then in this game, he was until the fourth quarter. And then when the game gets tight and the refs start not calling things and letting the players decide who wins this game, he's still trying to finish off one foot, still driving against multiple defenders. Um, and But it's not just him. And that's the thing. It's like when Smart's calling him out, I have to assume that's what he's calling him out about. Like It's just as bad when Kemba and Tatum have five turnovers each in game two or any of Smart's irrational confidence shots. Right, but Tatum's decision making has been obviously bad, especially at the end of games. The media's made a big deal about that. But the they haven't talked about Brown and they haven't talked about Kemba. Um, Smart's decision making is always going to be bad, but he actually makes the tough shots and, and misses the open ones. That's kind of what you get and you know what you're getting with him. Jalen's supposed to be the consistent one, and he was in the first three quarters, but not in the fourth. Um, Tatum's supposed to be the closer, but he hasn't been this season. Kemba's supposed to be the one who kind of has the experience to fill in the blanks offensively, but he's playing like a playoff rookie. And he's been in the league for eight years already. Like he's shooting a career worse from three in these playoffs. Um, and even tonight, the Celtics, they're ending fourth quarter possessions with one on one drives by Kemba and Jalen, threes by Tatum with the half of a shot clock still on the board. Uh, Jalen's looking for foul calls when he's finishing. Like he needs to come to a stop finish off of two feet so that we have a chance here the i mean there was the lob pass from smart to brown that banged off the backboard eight seconds left on the clock the drive by Kemba where he slipped and lost the ball out of bounds seven seconds left on the clock and then obviously the offensive foul when jalen brown's elbow hit duncan robinson in the face and led to the free throws it's like one thing after another we're we're making poor decisions we're leaving too much time on the shot clock it's too much one-on-one and we're just expecting that we're going to win the game because of who we are and what we've done. I, I don't like the way we finished this game. It felt like a loss to me. Yeah, the way they finished. I mean, that was scary. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I'm not sure I agree with how pessimistic you are sounding right now. Uh, 92 points tonight from Tatum, Walker, Smart, and Brown. This is the first game, I believe, that it, in the playoffs where they have all scored 20 points or more. Um, and they did it on above 50% shooting. Um, I, I looked like there was better off-ball movement, uh, more movement um, between players with, with, uh, with passing and, and, and in relation to the defense. Um, I, I liked the look, uh, the way that these guys came out differently this game and the way that they, they kept their foot on the gas. Um, Tatum has looked like he has been pressing this whole series, and you were, uh, you mentioned in Game 7 of the Raptors series that he came out with this confidence, like, he's the man, he's got to show it. Uh, it's a games like that, the big games, where he has to be the one uh, to show that he's the best player on the floor. His father's in his ear with that stuff. 
it looked like that kind of idea has carried over, and he did a better job this game of not pressing, of letting the game come to him, but he's still not hitting his shots. What do you think is going on with him? I think it's the shot selection. It's the choices. I think the zone is frustrating everybody. It's getting us yeah. out of our rhythm. Um, the spacing totally. issues were were crazy bad in the first two games, and they were better in this game until the fourth quarter. Um, and there's some details that that I think it's important to bring up when in terms of the spacing. Um, it also has to do with being shot ready and versus the zone. This is so important because the ball moves quicker, especially when it gets to the high post. There's more touch passes. So guys have to have their feet ready and their hands shot ready to go straight up into the shot when they catch, just like Duncan Robinson, right? We're seeing a lot of instant replays about that. But Kemba often gives the ball up and then doesn't get ready to receive it back. And then it's too late. He's not ready to shoot when he does get it. This is one of the reasons why I don't think Kemba is as good at catch and shoot threes. Like he just hasn't repped that enough. Um, there was one fast break that Tatum had the ball. I feel like it was in the the second quarter or early in the third quarter uh, where he had the ball. He was dribbling it up the court and uh, Jalen Brown had to kind of get his feet set and Tatum let him and waited that extra second so that he could get shot ready before he delivered the ball to him. So it's also on the passer. Like we just don't have that chemistry yet against an awkward defense that we're not used to where the shot readiness is so much more important, both for the, the shooter after they give up the ball and then are ready to get it back and the, the ball handler to wait and make sure that the guy's in position to catch and go up and not giving it to him too early. Well, Josh Tatum was a plus 23 this game. He almost had a triple-double with 25 points, 14 boards, 8 assists. I think it's hard to say that he's not playing that well. It, to some extent, you got to give him some credit for the way that he played today, even though he uh, his shot selection wasn't great. Yeah, he was back to his more consistent self for three quarters, and in the fourth quarter, I mean, we got to play forty eight minutes. Like, if that's that's yeah. the problem with this team right now is we're not playing the entire game with the same intensity. I mean, how did you feel at halftime after game two? You know, we were shooting fifty eight percent from the floor. We had a big lead, 17 points or so. Yeah, I Did, thought we were winning both game and games 1 and 2. And the, and and I get, you know, you got to give Bam Adebayo and Miami credit for the way they pulled out game 1 with that block. I, th- I you know, I was okay with that. Game 2 was a lot worse to me. Yeah, I, I knew we were going to win the game at halftime of game 2. You know, I knew that the Heat were going to come back. I knew we weren't going to shoot 58% in the second half as well because that rarely happens in a game. And when it does, like, look, if you're playing a team that shoots 60% all game long, there really isn't anything you can do. Like, as a coach, you're going to the locker room, like, you can talk about details and stuff, but the team just, I mean, they, they shot the ball well and they didn't stop. But oftentimes that's not the case. The first half, if you're shooting the ball really well, the second half, you can tell your team they're not going to do this again in the second half. And most of the time, I feel like as a coach, that's true. And so if you have that grit that the Heat have, it's not an issue. Um, But I didn't think that we played like we should have won the game in game two or game three. Like I feel like what's happening here is there's just a clear difference between the two teams in terms of Um, Mm decision-making. Uh, Veteran versus young team. Yeah, my new nickname for Tatum is Young Tatum. I'm gonna call him that until he shows the maturity that mm-hmm. can win this, you know, win this team a championship. Um, and 
you know, and going back to the spacing conversation, the actions that the Heat run are always involving a dive and a pop. There's one guy who ends up going straight to the rim, and the shooter's coming up and around the three-point line. And we're not having that kind of timing and and decision making on every play. Um, they do an amazing job, all of them: Crowder, Hero, Robinson, Butler. They all do a great job filling their relocations around the perimeter to the spots where the ball was driven from. And it's like the Spurs, I feel like, but with better shooting. This, the Celtics aren't spacing nearly as well. When they are, they're not always shot ready. Bill Simmons mentioned that the Heat is being like the Detroit Pistons from 2004. And you know the, the fundamental team simplicity is where I see that being a great comparison. Um, I feel like it's the old adage that hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. But in this situation, replace work hard with work smart. Like the fourth quarter was a near collapse. It's it's the crazy passes we're making. Um, you know, Wanamaker's throwing the ball all over the place. In game two, Kemba had that bounce pass that go through Jalen Brown's legs, and you know Tatum's attacking into double teams. It's like we're throwing the thing around the gym, like like five Robert Williams out there. Um, I feel like yeah, this, this won't last long, in my opinion. And and the maturity, yeah, the maturity can happen now, or it can happen after Young Tatum gets close, and and it leaves him one and more. And you know, looking at the details of his decision making, like uh, if I'm Brad Stevens, I'm going in the locker room and and I'm being positive, and then I I let them know. Look, when we watch this game film, I want to know if you feel like this is different than Game Two and Game One in the fourth quarter, or if it's the same. Like, let's watch this film and analyze how is this how is this any better than Game One and Two in the fourth quarter. What do you think is happening in the locker room right now with the players? I mean, I don't think they're having another fight. Like a win is a win, right? You take it and you move on. And then you, you have to look at how this game slipped away. You have, to, you have to be positive as a coaching staff. You get everybody together. And then we don't play again until Wednesday. So you have plenty of time to let them enjoy the win tonight. And then tomorrow, whether you give them a day off or not, you know, maybe they give them a day off when you have this much time. And then Monday you get right back at at it, and you're watching film and breaking down. Like, look, guys, this wasn't as good as it as the win tells us it was. Like, this was a near collapse again, and we got to win three more of these things, and, and we're not going to do that unless we play 48 minutes. Yeah, they have four days off until the next game is Wednesday night at 8:30. Uh, that puts them basically in line with the Western Conference round, where Game Four for the Celtics is Wednesday, Game Four for the uh, Lakers and Nuggets is Thursday, um, so assuming those those rounds go uh, the same amount, uh, both teams will be ready around the same time for the championship round. Um, Gordon, uh, Grant Williams was a negative eleven tonight, and he was really the only player on the Celtics with a bad plus minus rating. Uh, what did you see from him, and can you take that stat and extrapolate it to the the collapse that you mentioned? Because he played some important minutes um, in the third and fourth. I mean, I, I don't see, I don't see him playing bad. I think he's making great plays mm-hmm. and he's hustling and he's out. I don't, I didn't really see him making many bad plays. There was kind of three fouls in a row. It felt like that he had, but only the third one was really his fault. I think he knew that. He's only in there because Tice reached in on the foul where where Tatum drove it, expected a call, didn't get it, threw up a one hand, a one footed shot, and. You know, now all of a sudden, Tice decides he's going to go foul the guy at half court to stop the fast break. But that's Tatum. That's on Tatum. That's not on Grant Williams. Um, 
yeah, I mean, Tice's foul trouble contributes to Grant Williams being in there, but I don't see Williams playing poorly at all, to be honest. You know, I think I think uh, Wanamaker had his moments not playing well. You know, I, I got notes on Kemba's defense as being a major factor. We haven't talked about Gordon Hayward yet. He is back after five weeks and played 31 minutes tonight. We expected him to play 15. Um, I have to imagine that that 31 number has a lot to do with the fact that he'll get four days off now uh, for, to recover. But the way he played, it it surprised me that he didn't play sooner in the series and we could have used him. Yeah. I mean, we asked each other, when will Gordon Hayward play? Mike said game three, right? He, he was right. Yep. Okay, I said game Mike, three too, yeah. Mike, you're not here, but you were right. But, you know, I, I guess I was answering that question like, when should Gordon Hayward play and we should have played yeah, him in did. game two you know that's that this is potentially a super crucial decision that went wrong and we'll see what the effects are right but I thought the game one the game one loss would provoke the team to give him the okay for game two and, and play him um, but I guess they needed to have him you know have, have a game two deficit and a game two loss as well to really motivate the team but gosh the way he just steadies everything like there was one play where he received the ball in the corner and the closeout happened too fast for him to shoot the three and it was five seconds left and he drove middle and was able to skip it all the way to the other side to, I think, Jalen Brown for an open three and he knocked it down as the clock was expiring. Like That's how you run the clock down instead of just taking a cheap shot with seven seconds left. Like He could have shot that really tough corner three, but he knew there's five seconds. That's enough time for me to drive middle and find somebody. And he did. And, and it's like, those are the kinds of heads up plays that we need. He, he impacted the rebounding, like game one and game two, I was going nuts, screaming at the TV, like watching these guys not attack the defensive rebound. They're just letting each other get it. They're like, oh, he'll get it. So I won't mm-hmm. go after it. And Hayward's the one, he's like, no, I'm going to get this ball. We're making sure we secure this rebound. Like just the details. And, and to be honest, like I, I wonder, has he played a better game coming off of injury? Like his first game back? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, he didn't – he looked great. He didn't shoot that great from the floor. Uh, he passed the ball really well. He, he ended up with three steals, five boards. Um, I, you know, I thought that – I completely agree with you. He steadied the team. He is a veteran. He's, we don't have enough players who are in their late 20s uh, to, to – Make sure that that we're, uh, the details are, are happening. Uh, we have too many players that are young, like young Tatum, um, and that is an issue for us right now. You going with that nickname huge. too, Adam? You adopting the I young mean, Tatum nickname? I, I, I do like it. I mean, you know how I like nicknames of people that have proven things, like uh, uh, French Favarani. So <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm about your I'm about your uh, motivation, Josh. And to me, it's about decision-making. So, uh, you know, if Gordon Hayward doesn't shoot the ball well, I don't know what his numbers were, but it's the decision-making and working smarter instead of working harder. And and the decisions that we make on both ends of the court, they really matter, especially the decisions by the guys who play big minutes and are expected to lead this team. Kemba's transition defense was terrible. Like, he's backing up as Hero dribbles up the court and stops to shoot a three a three-pointer after making two shots in a row for the Heat, I think, in the first quarter, second quarter. Like, what do you think he's going to do, Kemba? Like, are you pr- pr- you're running back to protect the rim instead of stopping the ball? 
Um, he's had first quarter defensive rotation issues where he chose to close out on Jimmy Butler at the three-point line instead of Crowder, who ends up hitting the open three. He's going under handoffs consistently when Crowder's involved, and Crowder's getting open looks. Like that's not I'm sure that's not what Coach Steven wants. And then, you know, the play where Smart slips and Kemba fouls Dragic at half court uh, with one second left in the third. Like these are decisions that he needs to be better at. We need him to make better decisions on defense. Um, and we need all four of our stars to make better decisions on offense, especially at the end of games. Speaking of decisions, it looked like the Celtics made a concerted effort to attack the weak defenders on the Heat in ways that they hadn't previously. Uh, Goran Dragic was a negative 29 tonight, and they repeatedly went after both him, Duncan Robinson, Jalen Brown especially, attacked him really hard. Um, and and Dragic, they just tore apart. I, it was nice to see Kemba break people down off the dribble and go right by them, which I felt like was not happening, at least in game one. Um, and that is necessary, I think, in in order to, to combat the, um, to counteract the times when the zone gives us so much trouble. They're right. not going to play zone the whole game. And so when they're not, we have to take advantage of, of those matchups. And we finally did this game. It's like, I'm still feeling kind of frustrated by it because this, we talked about this in the, in the, um, the podcast we did talking about this series. It's that, the matchups, and that was the reason, basically, that I recall that you gave why you thought the Celtics were going to win this series. It's because of those weak defenders, and we have not been taking advantage of it the way that we should up until this game. Yeah, it's it's in the game one and game two, we were driving the zone, but we were getting to the elbow and then dishing it out again. Like that's how deep our drives were. And in this game, the decisiveness of our attacks were getting us deeper into the paint and deeper to to then be able to draw more defenders and, and get uh, those kickouts to be more open because it's a longer closeout. So yeah, we were decisive on our drives, but once we got there, our decision-making to drive and kick, then drive and kick again, then drive and kick again for a really good shot instead of a, a decent shot that we then miss, like that's the difference. Um, and if they're playing zone, it's hard to go at their, you know, specific defenders, but, you know, as you saw, like Jalen Brown, he's just, he doesn't care that Crowder is on him. He doesn't care that Dragic is on him. Like our, you're just going by that guy. But when you go by him, the next defender's there. And that's really what makes an elite decision maker and a champ, uh, into a champion is what do you do when that help then slides over or, or two helps later? Like, what do you do when, are you able to come to a stop or are you going to try to make an athletic finish off of one foot and, and then you're getting foul calls all game, but you, you assume that's happening in the fourth quarter as well. Well, you, if you've been in enough fourth quarters in the playoffs, you know that you're not going to get the same calls. They're going to let things go more. So you have to really make sure you finish those plays. That's what the Heat are really yep. good at. Yep. There was a matchup shift too on defense where, uh, Marcus Smart started guarding Goran Dragic, picking him up uh, higher up in, in the half court and really shifted the way that Miami was able to get into their offense. Uh, that left Jalen Brown covering Bam Adebayo and others guarding Jimmy Butler, who uh, looked tired at points in this game. Um, I expect Miami to make a, an adjustment after this related to it. 
Yeah, and you know, you got to look at the the three-point shooting by the Heat. Their numbers weren't good overall as a team, even though, you know, if you're watching, you saw Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and Jay Crowder, you know, at least for, from my eyes, it looked like they were hitting shots like they normally do. As I'm looking at the stats, oh, wow, look, Crowder's two for 10, right? Dragic, one for five. Hero was actually four for 12. So it wasn't as good as it seemed. Um but you know, you could tell just from watching, Dragic was not hitting the shots he normally does. Jimmy Butler only attempted one three, um, and in the past few games, he's hit one or two per game. So you know, Olenek was zero for four. They weren't really getting the the threes that they are used to getting from the other guys besides Duncan Robinson, Hero, and Crowder. And I think that makes a huge difference for for the Celtics. You know, if those extra guys are hitting their threes too, now this team's really tough to beat. The Spurs with better shooting. What else did you see from this game? God, I mean, I, I really just want to simplify it to the stuff we've already talked about because it's it's really been the same issue as game two and game one before it is we have a lead. How do you keep the lead? Right? That if you're coaching little kids, the one thing that you tell a team with a lead is if you shoot quick shots with a lot of time left on the shot clock with no ball movement, the team is going to get early rebounds and they're going to head up the court and transition. And transition buckets are, are not going to help you keep this lead. So if we slow things down, but we move and we share the ball and there's a lot of drives and kicks and we finally get a really great shot that we like after a lot of work, now all of a sudden we're wearing out that defense. We're taking time off the clock. Like at that point, it's like a football game where time of possession really matters. Um, and if you get a shot clock violation, that's okay because at least they're not getting the ball off of a turnover that's live and they're running up the court in transition. A shot clock mm-hmm. violation means they got to slowly go take the ball out of bounds and you can set up your defense. So even that, even a shot clock violation is better than some of the things the Celtics are doing right now, at least in trying to keep this lead. Like it's, it's, it's just a maturity thing. The Celtics are too young, too inexperienced. Kemba Walker's playing like like a playoff rookie after eight years in the league. Wanamaker's yeah. a 31-year-old who's also playing like a playoff rookie. And then our young guys who've got the most playoff experience on the team, you know, they're they're making poor decisions. They're making young people decisions. They're not making mature decisions. And when Smart is in the locker room after game two and he's telling everybody that they're BSing, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the decision making, the mental stamina. You know, I got friends saying, like, like my wife is saying, why, why are the Celtics blowing all these leads? Is it mental stamina? Are they just getting tired, and so therefore they're mentally weak at the end of the games? You know, like, what would you? How would you I answer that question? I do think that is part of it. I do think that is part of it. I think there is, there is a part of toughness and part of playing forty-eight minutes of a playoff game is both physical and mental. Um, um, stamina you have to you have to be prepared for that and and what that looks like mentally is having gone through it and knowing that you can overcome challenges knowing that you can pick yourself up and continue giving the intensity that is required knowing that you're not going to back down and and that i mean that's the kind of thing that smart brings that some of the other younger players don't as much um and i think that that is part of what upset him so much i, yeah. I do 
you have so, a response to that? Yeah. I mean, the mental stamina stuff, like <laughs> when I responded to my wife, I kind of like played it off. Like that wasn't really going on, but you know, I knew it was and I didn't want to admit it. And then after seeing this game, I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. Right. So we so talked to go back to your wife and, and tell her she was right. No, it's too late. She's asleep now. It's time to <laughs> podcast. And tell the world. So we talked to the, you know, before but this But she's going to listen, right? She'll, talk she'll to, know because she listens <laughs> to the pod, right? <laughs> no, she doesn't listen to the pod. No, she's got me as her husband. So we can just talk about it as we're watching the game with the baby. So um, we talked before the series even started, you know, how do you beat a zone? And I talked about the three ways of beating a zone is out shooting it, cutting it up with drives, which we're doing a better job of, or just getting a lot of transition buckets so you don't have to face a set-up zone half-court defense, right? And then one of the things, the, the results of that that we haven't really talked about is the depth of our team versus the heat. If we have to be super aggressive and we got to get out and transition, we got to get live ball turnovers so that we can get out and run, I mean, that's, that's an intense, high-level pace. And the Heat are built for that. they got such a deep team, they can do that all game long. But with our guys, you know, yeah, we got young legs, but we're, you know, we're only trying to go seven, eight deep. And when we do that, you know, for the majority of the game, our, our, our big minute guys, they're just mentally weak at the end of the game. They're tired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I do want to give you a stat here, Josh. Do you know the – this comes from Sean Grandy. Uh, the, the top four players in NBA history who have the most 20-point playoff games before the age of 23. Do you want to guess who the top four players are? Say that again. The top four players under the age of 23? Under age 23 who have the most 20-point playoff games. Um, and this, this is all going to be a little more recent because they play more playoff games now than they used to. There's more rounds and more games. Right. So Tyler Hero, Jason Tatum, are they on that list? Um. Tyler Hero is not on this list. Why would Tyler Hero be on this list? This guys he's a big game playoff player. He's had some good stats in games. I These know. are the most games played with 20 points or more before the age of 23. Okay, so Tyler Hero's played what? Like maybe two, three games where he scored 20 points? Is Tatum on the list? Jason Tatum is number three with okay. 23. He's ahead of Derrick Rose, who's got 22. Can oh, you name the top two players? Who The only two players ahead of Jason Tatum. Um, I don't know. LeBron James yeah. and Kobe Bryant. That's it. Yeah. So young Tatum has a bright future. Don't forget that. Yeah, the bright future, young Tatum. You know, this is like calling them the bright future sons. Like, this is... You want, they I'll need, call him bright future Tatum. Yeah, he needs to mature now. You know, like we have, yeah. we have a chance, and the only reason I'm negative after a win like this is we have a chance to win the whole thing. The yep, NBA championship is in sight for this season, and, and it may not be their next season. And we are the better team, and you know, the, the more talented team. We like we have the better athletes. We got the bigger stars. We have the team that should do this if we can play the right way, and the coaching staff who puts everybody in position to do it that way. Like this is not on the coaches. These decisions that the, that Kemba and Tatum and Jalen Brown are making at the end of these games, this is not on the coaching staff. I, I was listening to the radio pregame, so I believe it was Sean Grandy who said this, but he, he, he wondered if part of the reason people are so upset, not just 
the Celtics players in the locker room, but fans and media, is because Milwaukee is not the opponent. If we were down 0-2 to Milwaukee, that there would have there would have been more acceptance of that. It's because we feel like the Miami Heat are an easier matchup that we should be doing better against them. Do you agree with that? Um. Yeah, I think that I think that the fan base is scared of Milwaukee. Yeah, and maybe the fan base should be scared of the Heat. Like, are you watching these games? Yeah. Well, um, I don't want to get into the uh, refs, so I think we should probably wrap up here. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're hoping to be back. Uh, what Tuesday? And and I got a, a hot take. I'm going to save for that for that Tuesday podcast. You know, we're doing two pods. Uh, between game three and game four on Wednesday. So the second of those two is obviously we're doing the instant reaction right now. And the second of those two is going to be a little bit more of uh, peripheral thoughts and, and maybe some hot takes. So uh, Mike, I know hot you're take, listening. Huh? Bring, bring your hot takes. I know Mike's got some hot takes like you were wrong about this and you were wrong about that. So Mike will be back hopefully on, on Monday night for that Tuesday morning podcast. And, and Adam, I'm expecting that you have a hot take for then as well. You want to give me a little teaser of your hot take, a little taste? No, no. It's a, it's it involves Gordon Hayward and some Celtics history, and, All right. and uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>